listening to the audio podcast of Kingsport First Assembly. If you would like more information about our church or you would like to plan a visit to be part of an upcoming service, we invite you to go to our website at k1church.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Today we finish up this series called Share. It's about sharing an invitational life with others. And over the past four weeks, we've been talking about this idea of sharing our story with others. And we discovered we can share because we have experienced intimacy with God. So we could share that with how we live. We've learned that we should show up because God showed up and chose us. We've talked about how we share faith through things like what we do today, like investing in the community. We're investing in the kingdom of God, whether it's through missions, whether it's through buying Bibles, whether it's through just being part of ministry. We also taught last week the power of relating to the lost, how powerful our story can be. As we wrap up today, we're going to talk about taking a risk. Taking a risk. Mark Twain says this. He said, 20 years from now, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, and discover. You know, I can tell you honestly in my life that the greatest moments of my life were found when I just took a risk. Whether it was the first time I asked my wife out, it was a risk. Matter of fact, she thought I was a different Jason Wright and hung up on me because we had two Jason Wrights in the same grade at our school. It's taking a risk to step out of a chair some years ago and saying, God, I need you to be my Savior. It was taking a risk when one day I was in Pensacola, Florida with a friend of mine's youth department. Matter of fact, it was the youth from Oak Ridge. And he invited me to come as a chaperone, and I sat up in the balcony for an entire service, even through altar service, for close to an hour of an altar service. And I I stood up there and I was crying. I was weeping. God, if this is real, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to to experience you like this. I don't know what I should do with what I'm feeling right now. And I remember up there in that balcony that day, I said, God, if you are real, I don't want to miss it. And I took a risk and stepped out. And I tell you, with everything in me, God changed me in the altars that night. He put something inside of me that I would have never have known had I not taken the risk to step out. I like the thought that we were created to be risk takers. I don't believe God created your life to be safe all the time. Taking risk is what produces results in our lives. It's the reason that the enemy wants you to focus on the negative. It's the reason the enemy wants you to be afraid. Because he knows if you ever step out of the boat, if you ever become one of those disciples of Christ who says, I'm not content with just waiting for something to happen to me, I'm going to ask the Lord to invite me out here, that it will radically change our world. And I'm going to tell you this this morning, Kingsport needs Jesus. Say it again, Kingsport needs Jesus. And it should be hard to go to hell from Kingsport, Tennessee, because Kingsport first exists. 
because our church is in this community, because we're in the community, because God has touched our lives, we should be the risk takers who will step out and see the opportunities that lay before us and begin seizing some of these opportunities and watching the lost come to know Jesus. I believe God has an unbelievable plan an unbelievable vision in store for our church. And I believe our best days are not behind us. I believe our best days are still in front of us. I still believe God wants to use a spirit-filled church to make a difference, not just in our community, but across our state, across our country, to make a difference around the world. And can I tell you, we're already doing it. When you think about just a few weeks ago, some of you gave so that we could build water wells in New Mexico That's making a difference across our country. Because you gave, someday you'll stand in heaven and somebody's going to walk up to you. A Native American may walk up to you one day and say, because you gave to dig a well in my community, I heard about living water and it changed who I was. Because some of you have given for years and years to fish ministry. And the barkers have gone over and they've handed out things like these buckets full of materials. Can I tell you, it opens doors for people to hear about the gospel of Jesus. It's not just giving somebody rice or beans. It's giving people hope. We take risk every day. Most of the times they're calculated risk. And the more you're willing to take a risk in your life, the more God can use you. Every week we've read this opening text and I don't want to miss it again today. But it's from Acts chapter 13. And if you, you could follow along on your phones if you want to, I encourage you, bring a Bible to church. Can I say that again? Bring a Bible to church. You need it. You need it. One thing we learned a couple years ago when they had the bombing in downtown Nashville was that AT&T got knocked offline for about two days in downtown. None of their apps would work. None of their phone services would work. Guess what you don't have if your apps are not working? You don't have that word, but if you've got a written word, a hard copy of it, you can get it anytime you want, and nobody can take this away from you. Amen? Acts chapter 13, 32 and 33, then we'll read 38 and 39, and then 44. 32, it says, And we bring you the good news that God promised to the fathers. This is this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. Verse 38, And let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Then after they've shared this testimony, in verse 44, it says, The next Sabbath almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. There was once a story about this man who went on vacation, and as he was, he was at a really nice resort. This resort overlooked the ocean, and the beach was underneath it. And as he went out that morning, he was going to walk the, the, the cliff there and overlook in the ocean and just kind of take in the, the day. And as he got up to the edge, as he was standing there along the rails, he began to hear a faint voice crying out, Help me. Help me. He began frantically searching around him, and then finally he located there was a woman who had been drug out by a riptide into the ocean, and she was well off the shore, and she was about to drown, and the only thing he could think of doing is just run as fast as he could down this trail to where she was at. As he got to the beach, he he saw two kids there. They're crying their eyes out. He jumped into the ocean, swam out to her, and right as he got to her, she went under, and he had to go under and get her. 
and pull her back up. And as he got her up, he swam to shore with her and he got her onto the beach and the kids mauled her as she got there and she was, she was coughing. She was trying everything she could just to get a breath and he, he at the same time is worn out. His adrenaline is now running out. He's laying on the beach and he's just thinking, I'm thank God that I was there. I'm glad somebody was there. And as he looks up to the very cliff that he came from, there's about 50 people watching from the cliff everything happening with their cell phones in their hands taking pictures. Too many times, folks, Christians and people in general stand on the sidelines and watch things happen. We see people's lives being put through a blender we see people who are in trouble, and instead of stepping up to help, we're on the sidelines watching, thinking, man, if only they could meet God. If only they could have an experience with Him right now, their life would be changed, never knowing that you are the exact person that God put in that situation to see it. Some had seen this entire thing play out, and all they could do as they watched from the top of this cliff, was point out how reckless the woman was to be out there with her kids on that day. Does that sound familiar? We watch people drowning in their lives from a different stuff. We watch them drowning from things like addiction. They're drowning in things like troubled marriages. They're drowning in financial troubles. They're drowning in grief. They're drowning in doubt. Maybe they're even struggling with their faith. And a lot of times what we do is, is we say, how could you let yourself get there? It doesn't matter how they got there. It doesn't matter what they've done in the past that got them in the position they are. Our job is to run off the cliffs and say, whatever it takes, God, whatever it matters right now, I will step into the ocean and save someone if I can. I will show them how to get to the, to the safety. We see it all the time, all these opportunities to risk it all. And here's a harsh reality we need to come with terms with. Sometimes we treat our faith walk like it's risk management. We manage the risk we take. God tells us to do something and we'll say, well, God, if I, if I had it to do, I would do it. Do you understand if God told you to do something, you have it to do it? If God has called you to invest in something, he's given you the means to do it. If God has called you to talk to someone, he's given you the ability to do it. Moses, when he was called by God to rescue the children of Israel, his first response was, God, I can't do this. I don't have the ability. How many of you knew that God knew what the abilities of Moses were? And he called him in spite of it. Too many times we want to look back and say, well, that's for somebody else to do. That's somebody else's responsibility. We look at the ministry of the church and we say, well, pastors, we pay you to do this stuff. The fact of the matter is, is that we were all called. Say, I am called. We are all called to be ambassadors of Christ. We talked about that last week, right? And that means to be an ambassador, you have to take a risk from time to time. you got to step into the unknown from time to time. When I taught our adult Sunday school class last year, one of the things I started every lesson with, and those who are in the class know where I'm going with this, is this statement. Jesus didn't die to make you safe. He died to make you dangerous to the enemy. I want to say it again. Jesus didn't die to make you safe. 
He died to make you dangerous to the enemy. It was to pluck out what he thought he had won. It was to go into places that the enemy thought he had taken over and to be those people who are willing to risk it all if that's what it takes. When Summer and I left to go to missions, we signed a pact. And they actually made a poster of this thing, and I used to have a picture of it somewhere. And it basically said, pack the coffin. That was the statement of the year, was pack the coffin. And the thought process was, as years ago when our missionaries went to places like Africa, they literally would pack all of their goods inside of a wooden coffin. Because their thought process was, is when they left, they probably were going to die on the field, and they wanted to make sure they were not a hardship on the country they were at. That's taking a risk. It's saying, whatever it takes, God, I am willing to do it. Danger, listen to me. Danger is a normal part of the Christian walk. It's what causes evangelists to live by faith week by week because they feel called to share a message of hope, a message of salvation, a message of a Savior. And they don't care. I mean, guys, I remember when evangelists came around, we used to give them eggs in the back of the car. How many of you remember those days? Because that's how they live sometimes. Danger is a part of this. Risk is a normal part of living for the Lord. We can't simply try to avoid mistakes or avoid being hurt, but this walk of faith is a choice to have life and to lead other people in it. That's why we do this thing. This is why we were called. And so if you got your Bible this morning, I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. We're going to begin at verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, beginning at verse 15. It says, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land in which you're entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away... And you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and to possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land of the Lord, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Father, just for the next few moments, speak to us life. And let us find how we do that in our families, in our community, and in our world. Amen. The word choose. When you read it in Deuteronomy, the word choose actually comes from the original word, which was bahar. And this is not simply a word that meant to make a choice. It wasn't about like choosing A, B, C, D, or any, meeny, miny, mo. The word choice there actually meant to proclaim the best possible way to live. 
The original translation would basically meant to boldly proclaim the best possible way to live. What he was saying, choose today, boldly proclaim what the best possible way to live. Is it life? Is it death? Is it blessing? Is it curses? What way are you going to go? Because whatever you do, you're going to get the reap, you're going to reap whatever it has to, go, to bring to it. The danger of free will that God has given each one of us is that it's given us the opportunity to choose safety sometimes, to choose comfort, to even choose death over life. How many of you know not everybody goes to heaven? There are going to be good people who do not make it into heaven. There are going to be sincere people who do not make it into heaven. And the reason why is they chose the path they would go on. The Bible tells us, even in Hebrews, that you can look around all creation and see that there is a God. So anybody who would declare that there is no God has denied the very existence of life itself. And so when it says to choose, he's saying boldly proclaim what you're going to follow. Let everybody know, that way we know up front exactly where you stand on this stuff. And the opportunity to choose life in every situation only has one expiration date. Do you know what the expiration date is? Your expiration date. The length of time that we have to do it is that dash between the day we are born to the day we die or when Jesus returns. I've heard people tell me, hey, I've done this. I, I, I've done my time. There is nowhere in the Bible does it say that your time ends. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, as those who are on walking that path with him, our date doesn't end. Our expiration date doesn't end until he calls us home. Some of you will be given the opportunity to reach out to people in hospitals in your last days. Some of you are going to be proclaiming the name of Jesus even to the moment you take your last breath. I remember a few years ago I went to visit a family. Her name was Sister Needham. And Brother Needham had got me, I was going over to their house, she had cancer. And I would go over every week and I would just read the Bible to her is all I would do. I would walk into her room back there and Brother Needham and I would join in prayer and then I would just read the Bible to Sister Needham because she couldn't read it anymore and I would just read. And was, sometimes we'd read the same text over and over again. And I remember at the end of her life, she was down to her last moments. And Brother Needham called me and he says, you need to come out today. You need to come out quick. I want you to pray with her before she's gone, before she breathes her last breath. I want you to pray with her. And I went out there that day and as I walked into the room, the woman had not opened her eyes in three days at that point. But when we started reading the word, she opened her eyes and raised her hand and she began saying, I see my Redeemer. He is living. He's alive and I'm going to meet him. be honest it was the greatest funeral I ever got to preach was to declare how a woman in her last moments was still proclaiming the greatness of her God a woman who hadn't spoken in days who had been basically zonked out now opened her eyes and began to praise her Savior and that's how she went out her mouth was still moving as she took her last breath oh couldn't that be said of all of us someday that our last breath was still proclaiming the greatness of of our God. See, that's what it means to choose life. 
It means to boldly proclaim those things. We choose life. To choose life is about understanding what being part of the family of God really means. As children of God, we are hardwired. You understand, you were created and designed and hardwired at the very core of you to proclaim, to give life to others. You are hardwired to proclaim life in all situations. You are hardwired to declare what God is all about. You are hardwired to be givers and guardians of life when people are around you as Christians they should see people who will risk it all so that someone else will have that opportunity in their last moments to proclaim I see my redeemer John 13 35 says this and we most of us know the scripture it says by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you do what you have love for one another Love sometimes is a risk. It's about putting your heart out on the line to be accepted or rejected. And God did that for us. He gave us the greatest gift that anyone could be given, but he was not guaranteed that we would give him back the same love. You understand how big of a risk that is? The risk to say, my son, I will, I will allow my son to go to the cross. I will allow my son to die for them, and yet they still may not choose him. They may not choose me. That's the risk. That's the example that God has given us. A few years ago, there was a movie that was out called We Bought a Zoo. Has anybody seen the movie We Bought a Zoo? Matt Damon's in it. And the whole story of the movie is they, they, they has this family. It's a true story. They bought this like a nature preserve. And they begin remodeling and trying to make it into something great. But there's one scene in that movie that's really particular. His son, his little boy comes to him, and he's kind of got a crush on a little girl, on a girl, and, he's, and he was telling her, how do you talk to this little girl? How would you do it? And he said, you know, basically, it comes down to you got to have 20 seconds of courage. 20 seconds of courage is what it takes to talk to her, just that first time. Just get 20 seconds of insane courage to tell her how you feel. you got 20 seconds to put it all on the line, and if you do it, you won't live with regrets. I will tell you this. Sometimes in our lives, we are just 20 seconds of insane courage away from a different future for someone else. We're just 20 seconds of insane courage of taking a risk to seeing our lives be completely different. Sometimes that courage is to say the word no. Everybody say no. Why is that important? Because sometimes we're required to say the word no. No, we will not go that way. No, we will not worship that. No, we will not allow that. We also have to be able to say the word yes. Everybody say yes. Why is yes? It's yes to Jesus. It's yes to his plan. It's yes to his calling. It's yes to anything he has for us. And when we say yes and we say yes for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Guess what can happen to the future of your family? Everything can change. Just by having some courage. Most decisions in our life are made in less time than that. <laughs> I'm a car guy. I love cars. I have pulled on, tra on car lots before and made a decision in 20 seconds I was going to buy that car. I know none of y'all do that, but I did. And when I get it in my mind I'm going to do something, you can't hardly talk me out of it. But you see, that's how we live most of our life as we make all these decisions, snap decisions, snap decisions, snap decisions, and then it comes to God, and what do we do? We slow play it. 
Can I tell you the one, one thing pastors hear all the time? They'll say, well, what can we do in church? How can we help you? Well, we'll do, we really need help in this area. Well, I'll pray about it. Really? You just ask, what could you do? Told you where we need help, and you're going to pray about it. Didn't you pray before you came and talked to me about it? Bible, we see people got to experience amazing things by just having the courage to say yes in the moment. Peter walked on the waters because he had a split decision. David killed Goliath because of a quick decision. Esther saved her people because she said, if I perish, I perish. The Bible's filled with these kind of people all throughout them. And the question for you today is this. What difficult decision do you need to make right now? What tough conversation do you need to have? What crazy risk do you need to take right now to see somebody's life changed? Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as a prelude to the story, Jesus was asked, What does a man have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus then pointed them back to what was expected of every Jewish man at the time. A good man would do these things. And he said in Luke 27, the, the man answered him. He said, well, Jesus said, what does the law teach? And the man answered in Luke 10, 27, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might, as your neighbor as yourself. Jesus started with what they were supposed to do already. When the man said, how do I, how do I inherit eternal life? He said, first, do what you're supposed to do. Follow the law that you already learned. Follow the rules that God has set before you. It was assumed that love of God and love of people was already expected to inherit the kingdom of God. It was a basic part of their lives. It came down to how they received guests in their house, foreigners into their land. But the lawyer asked an important question then. He said, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Jesus began to tell, we've all heard the Good Samaritan story, right? We hear the man who's walking down the road, he's traveling between uh, the cities, and all of a sudden he's ambushed, he's left for dead, he's been robbed, he's been beaten, he's been taken, he's left there on the side of the road. And what we hear is we, we know that there's some characters in the story. The first was a priest. The priest comes by, and he sees the man over there, and instead of engaging to find out what happened, the Bible says he crossed over to the other side of the road. Don't get too close. Then the Bible says a Levite came, and a Levite would have been in charge of the security of the house and things like that of the church, of the synagogues. And when he came, he did the same thing. It says he crossed over to avoid getting too near to this guy. Then the Bible talks about Jesus told about the Samaritan. The Samaritan was the guy who was looked down on by the Jewish people. He was looked down on by everybody. He was considered to be kind of a half-breed in circles because he was half of one and half of the other. He wasn't of any pure race. And they looked at him downward on so many respects. And when he came through, instead of walking over to the other side of the road, he came near to find out how did this happen, what happened, what can I do to help. The Bible says he took this man, this guy had been robbed, and he took him to an inn. And when they got to the end, he began to bandage him up himself. He took care of him. This is the story Jesus is telling. And when he got ready to leave the next day, he goes to the innkeeper and he says, whatever it costs, put it on my bill. I'll come back through and I'll pay whatever more you need. He gave him money then, but he said, whatever more, I'll come through and pay it. 
See, all these people are, are, are currently in our society today. It's the reason why Jesus told this story. You see, this man that was robbed, we don't know a lot about his background. We know he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. He got caught up in something that was not his own making. We know the priest should have been the one who knew the law, who should have been willing. But the problem was he took one part of the law and he said, if I touch this guy, I cannot go into the place of the holies. And because of that, I can't get near him. That's the, that's the rule. But his number one rule was to do what? To love his neighbor as himself. He forgot that. The Levite, the same. He knew all the accord, but he didn't do it. It took them one guy that nobody would expect to do anything. I want you to understand what this man really did. He saw before him the choice of life or death. He didn't ask how the man got there. He didn't ask what circumstances he found himself. He gave up his own comfort. The Bible says, Jesus said, he put this man on his own animal. That meant he had to walk the distance to the town. He gave up what was rightfully his. We read in Philippians 2. We've been doing a study on Philippians. What did Jesus do? The Bible says Jesus gave up his rightful place in heaven, his rightful throne, where he, was, he had every right to be. He gave all of that up, took on the form of a lowly servant to serve us, even unto death. That's risk. People who carry the good news are like the Samaritan. We have something we can offer to others, but we have to feel their hurt. We have to, we, we have to begin to see how, how they really got there. We got close enough to see what's happening, and that can be a risk, and it can be hard. When we were broken, when we were left on the side of the road by the enemy, when we were abandoned, when we were forgotten, considered unclean by everyone around us, Jesus came. He came near, and he met us in that place. Romans 5, 7, and 8 says this, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The story of an invitational love is powerful. Our God has offered us intentional love. Even when we were far away from anything that remotely looked valuable, he came and offered us life. And the idea of risk for the kingdom is about being willing to risk it all for the sake of the gospel. To lay down our lives for another is to give them the opportunity to experience grace. Your neighbor, listen to me, probably doesn't look like you. They may not vote like you. They may not believe the same things you believe in. They may not have had the same background you've had. But they are still your neighbor in the eyes of Jesus. And our job is to take the risk to cross over the road and find out what it is we can do for them. That's how you share this gospel. Is you start risking it all. We are called to take the risk to love without exception, without qualification, or even question. God gave us two things to follow as disciples. We're to love God with all we have, and then if we do, we will love our neighbors as ourselves. That means look for the good and to bless them, to reach out to them. Wherever there is chaos, wherever there is disruption, our job as Christ followers is point to the one who brings order. It's to point to the one who brings order. We are shown to engage with the chaos, to engage with the brokenness, to choose life. Restoration doesn't happen on its own. Things just don't restore. It comes down to how we risk our comfortability for others. It comes down to our humility in the moment. 
to see that this cause is greater than ours. To submit our prayers for the sake of others and for the kingdom. And as we wrap up this series today, I want to end it with a challenge. And this challenge is about dreaming of the possibilities. This challenge is about seeing things change for our community. And here's the challenge. What if a church, what if uh, we as a church took the next 40 days and committed to be people who would share the gospel of Jesus everywhere we went? What if we invited people to experience Jesus in a new way? Listen, this is not about inviting them to your church. This is about inviting them into relationship with Jesus. What if, for the next 40 days, we took that opportunity? What if we got ourselves aligned with God's heartbeat for humanity? What could we do if we did that? Here's the first thing you can do. You can live it out. You can live it out. you got to get caught up and grow in your own relationship with Jesus and with God. When you go deep with Jesus, it's going to spill over into the lives of others in this world. It will show up in how you care for someone else. The second way we can do this over the next 40 days is show up. Show up for other people. You'll live expectant and available to be used by God. In every place that you go, the Holy Spirit could unleash and prepare a harvest field in front of you that will unleash you for kingdom good if you'll just show up. And here's what I would do if I were you. I'd keep a journal. Keep a journal every time you showed up when God called you to show up. Keep a journal every time you hear his voice. Keep a journal every time you get a prod from him and see what happens every time you do that over the next 40 days. The third thing you can do is invest in these next 40 days. It's going to cost you something to serve the Lord. I want you to hear me. It will cost you something to serve for the Lord. It's going to cost you your comfortability. It's going to cost you maybe financially. It may cost you your friends. It may cost you your status. But it's going to cost you something to serve the Lord with everything you've got. And when God calls us to invest in the kingdom, what he's saying is not just invest our finances. He's saying invest ourselves into this thing. Invest yourself into other people. Invest into their situations. Hear their stories. Listen to what's going on. Because you may be right there in that time for that purpose. If you're going to invest in, for, make an investment, it will not free. It's going to cost you something. Fourth thing you can do if you're going to share in this next 40 days is relate to them. That means identify the people that God's placed in your heart and relentlessly engage them in your story. Let me ask this question, because I told you some of our story last week, but how many of you have a story to tell? Raise your hand if you have a story to tell. What do I mean by that? How many of you have been saved by grace? Raise your hand if you've been saved by grace. You have a story to tell. And you, you engage others when you begin to relate to them where they're at because of where God's brought you from. It's powerful. And so that's how you can do it over the next 40 days is relate to them. Listen to what they're talking about. Relate how you've experienced the grace of God in those moments. Become interesting to people by becoming interested in them. Let me say that again. You become interesting to people by becoming interested in them. And then the last thing is this. Over the next 40 days, I'm going to ask you to risk it. Take a risk. 
Trust God by leaving the familiar and stepping out into the unknown. Risk yourself to align with God's heartbeat for humanity. Make the difference you were created to make. There's only one of you in the world with your particular call. Don't hesitate. Be a Jonathan of the Bible who saw the enemy on the top of the cliff and said, I'm not going to sit back and let them make fun of who we are. I will climb this cliff in front of them. Even with them hurling rocks at me, hurling insults at me, I will still go up this cliff because that is what I'm called to do. And when we begin to do that, something amazing will happen. We begin to trust God with all this stuff. When you have a plan, listen to me, when you have a plan, your chances for success just went up exponentially. You know who fails? Those who fail to plan. You see, we we know that in the secular world. I could ask Brother Barker today if when he designed houses, if the contractors just went out and started putting up a foundation and they never looked at the plans, they weren't going to get too far. They may put concrete in the ground, but it ain't going to hold up if it's not to the right ratings. If the walls aren't built the right ways, things will begin to fall. And I'm going to tell you something, that if you want to be an ambassador of Christ, you've got to start making a plan. Start identifying the people God's put in your life to reach out to. Start identifying the opportunities you got. Keep journals to know what God is speaking to you in those moments and then take the risk and see what could happen. How many believe we could do amazing things over the next 40 days through the Lord? Now here's the question, will you do it? You see, I believe in this room, some of you may be needing that same opportunity we need to offer outside of this building. Maybe you've been in church your whole life but if you were honest between me, you, and God, you'd have to admit, maybe there's not some things right between you and the Lord. And see, that's where this thing starts. To share an invitational life, you have to accept the invitational life. And I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes just for the next few moments. Maybe you're here today and you would just say, Pastor Jason, if I'm honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe if I was completely honest, I'd have to admit that things aren't right between me and him. Maybe my life has kind of got off track. Today I need to make a change. This is your opportunity. I'm inviting you to choose life today. It's your choice to boldly proclaim what you will live for. Are you willing to do that? You see, an indecision is still a decision. If you don't make a choice for the Lord, it means you're making a choice for the other side. So how many of you here today would just say, Pastor Jason, if I'm honest between myself and the Lord and you, I have to admit, I haven't been choosing life. And today, I want to choose it. I want to boldly proclaim that He is my Savior. I want to ask Him to come into my heart and take away the sin, wash me clean. You see, He chose you, but you have to choose Him back. So how many of you just slip your hand up and right back down? I'm not going to embarrass you, but how many of you just say, Pastor Jason, that's me. I want to choose Jesus today. Will you slip your hand up and right back down, please? Thank you. How many others? You're not alone. 
You can say, I want to choose life today. I want to choose life. I want to choose the blessings of God. I want to choose to live with Him. Any others? We're going to say a prayer together. But it's your chance to proclaim. Anybody can just say a prayer, but it's another thing to proclaim that He's the one you're living for. How many others? Just hand right up and down. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I choose you because you first chose me. Your word tells me that you sent your only son to live a blameless life, to die on a cross just for me. And today, I proudly proclaim that you are my Savior. And I invite you to come live in my life to take away all the sin, to take away all the failure, to take away the past and replace it with your future. I proclaim today that you are my King, that you are my God. And I thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we all stand together, please? Are you willing to proclaim it? Are you willing to be the ambassadors that God's called you to be to our community? It's easy sometimes for us to throw money at problems. But salvation doesn't happen by throwing money at a problem. Salvation happens because somebody shares their story with someone else. So let's do that. Can we just lift our hands across this room as a way of dismissing this morning? Raise them to the Lord. Why don't you proclaim to him today that you'll be used any way he wants to use you? Won't you ask him this morning to send people your way? Won't you ask him today to give you opportunities? Father, right now with our hands raised across this room as a way of finishing up this series and closing out this month. God, right now we lift our hands to you and proclaim you are our way. We proclaim you are the better way. And because of that, Lord, we ask that today will you set our path in a new direction will you set the path of first assembly in a new direction God that you will send us to proclaim life to our community God that we truly make it hard to go to hell from Kingsport Tennessee because we exist because we're a family God because we come together not just as as people who attend a church but truly a community of believers who trust you and acknowledge you and know that you have a better way God, I pray right now, will you send people in our path that we can make a difference with? Lord, for the young, the young people we may encounter behind counters at restaurants or at, at grocery stores, at convenience stores, God, right now, will you open a door for us to share our faith with them, God? This week, God, will you give us new opportunity to share how you've saved us with somebody new? And God, we promise this. We declare this this morning. If you give us the chance, we'll walk through that door. We'll be the church you want us to be. And we'll proclaim your name from the highest mountains to the lowest valleys. That you are king and you are our savior. We thank you and we give you praise. And everybody said, can we give the Lord some praise in this house? Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. If God has touched your life through this ministry, we ask you to let us know. You can go to our website at k1church.com and click on the contact us tab. There you can leave us a message or prayer request. You can also-
also like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram to stay up to date with all that is happening at K1 Church.